Hey everyone, this is Megan with Get the Word Out. Thanks for joining me today. I am flying solo today. My husband is out of town, but guess what? I'm going to keep going with the podcast. And so today we're talking about marriage part two. Um, Today I'm going to be talking about decisions and I am ready to roll today. Um, This is good because we never record these during the day. Usually Josh and I are up very late at night recording these podcasts and it just has not been working out because we are so tired and you cannot (laughs) you cannot just roll with something you know um when you're that tired our voices are crappy and you know it's been really difficult so we're gonna try to switch it up a little bit and do it during the day and so um we're just gonna get started here um I kind of felt like I needed to talk about marriage why because everybody's marriages are failing or they're very crappy and people are unhappy and people are separating and everybody's getting divorced and then kids are shipped back and forth from mom's house to dad's house and it's very sad and I don't like it and I know God doesn't like it it's not his best for everybody and so we're just going to keep rolling here with marriage and so today I want to talk about your decisions your decisions are everything so think about some decisions you made today I made a decision to get up early, get dressed, eat breakfast, run. I made a decision to leave the dishes in the sink. I let the laundry set in the living room and pile up. Think about decisions. Maybe you've made this past year as you're reflecting on 2019. Did you decide to move, get a new job, get married, get divorced? Um, Did you decide to homeschool your kids? Did you decide to eat healthier, lose weight? Did you decide to party more with your friends or spend more time with your family or your friends? I mean, your decisions are everything, right? And someone might say, "But, but doesn't God do what he wants no matter what I do, right? I mean, God is sovereign. Yes, he's sovereign. But doesn't he just do whatever he wants no matter what? No, not really. God's not in control. He puts limits on himself because he desires to work in you and through you so you decide he's not in control of your decisions he's a gentleman so you do what you want right it's called free will we have it free will and so making a decision in your marriage is extremely important okay god's not going to make decisions for you in your marriage you have to do some work and he does he does stuff too you can't just not make decisions and coast through your marriage because that leads to drifting apart, separation, and eventually divorce. So you, you can't just coast through it. You have to make decisions in your marriage. And that means that you need to actively accept and reject things that are for and against your marriage. I mean, that is your job. Not everything that comes knocking on your marital door is good. So it's your job to be a, a good steward. You bring good things in, you throw bad things out. You're kind of like a a filter, okay? So, I mean, you can make a decision today to have a good marriage and make a decision to reject a bad marriage, but it doesn't stop there. You have to decide things like, okay, I'm going to sit down with my spouse tonight and I choose to initiate the hard conversation about XYZ, whatever it is. And it doesn't necessarily mean fighting. So last time we talked about conflict versus fighting. And so conflict means that You decide to become like-minded. You want to become like-minded on an issue in your marriage, okay? Fighting means that each spouse is trying to prove that they are right and that the other person is wrong, okay? And 
Either way you go, both of these require work. So why not spend your efforts going in the right direction and choose a conflict and to become like-minded? So conflict is not bad. Now you got conflict in your marriage. Great. You're working it out to, so that you can become like-minded. You're not fighting about something. And this can be really hard for some people because some people like to get in a conversation and start uh, spouting off about something because they're angry and they want to prove that they're right. So they just start spouting off. Um, Proverbs eighteen thirteen. Here's what it says. Spouting off before listening to facts is both shameful and foolish. Spouting off before listening to facts is both shameful and foolish. And so somebody that likes to spout off about things typically has an open mouth and closed ears. Um, Smart people always have their ears open and their mouths shut. Fools like to spout off. And so I'm sure you can all kind of think of somebody that likes to spout off. People don't just do it with their voices. They like to do it with their fingers when they type on Facebook. And so I'm sure you can think of that person right now who likes to get on Facebook and spout off about something because they need some validation and all the, the underneath of that, all those comments to say, oh yeah, you're right. Don't worry about this. Blah, 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 blah. You know, <laughs> maybe someone gets on there to spout off about how some um, cashier treated them at, at Walmart or something. I can't believe the, the cashier did this and this and this and who do they think they are? And like there's, uh, you know, someone that's, that's high-minded, I think, likes to spout off a lot. Um, but you can get mad, you can get angry and make decisions right out of your feelings and spout off and, and that can lead to some irreversible consequences. Or if you're spiritually mature, you can make a wise and spiritually mature decision, follow through and be led into growth and healing in your marriage. But it's really up to you. Your decisions are everything. They're everything. And you can't just put it off on your spouse, okay? First of all, it's immature and childish to do that. You can't just say, well, it's his problem. He does this. It's up to him. That's his choice. He did blah, blah, blah. But listen to this. If there's a problem in your marriage, it's your problem. If there's a problem in your marriage, it's your problem. If my spouse struggles with XYZ, then that's now my problem. So for example... Um, let's say I get married. My husband has a bunch of debt and I have none. That's made up by the way. We both had debt when we got married, but let's just take it as an example. I take it on. Why? Because we share in each other's burdens, especially in our marriage. So be the mature one to say, hey, let's sit down and discuss this. I want to hear you. I want to help you. And we can walk through this together. It doesn't it doesn't work alone if someone's struggling with something. What if it's something like um, maybe your spouse chooses to smoke and you don't and you don't want it around your kids? There's a problem and you can't just put it off on your spouse to deal with it by themselves. You're married. Work through it together. Help each other. So um, it, it just doesn't work when you do it alone and you're married. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Two can stand back to back and conquer. Even if it's something like 
like the smoking example and you think it's all just on your spouse because they choose to do it and it's their problem and it's their addiction and this and that. The Bible says that if you stand back to back, you can conquer. That might mean backing your husband up in in prayer or pray, praying together or doing something to, to help him. And how about this decision? Deciding to forgive. This is a decision, okay? And deciding to ask for forgiveness. It does not mean that you forget about something that happened in your marriage. It doesn't mean that something didn't happen, okay? You don't, you can't like turn back time. You can't say, I forgive you. That means it didn't happen. We turn back time. It doesn't reverse that kind of stuff. And it does not negate your feelings. It's okay to feel. Feelings are part of your God-designed being, you know? God gave us feelings. But forgiveness does mean that you hold nothing against the person who has wronged you. And you don't, so you don't bring it back up in their face and you don't use it as leverage, okay? You don't say, well, remember when you did this to me? So it kind of, it doesn't give you like this card to just do whatever you want. You don't bring it back up and use it as leverage and you don't dwell on it. So these are some decisions that you have to make in your marriage. You choose to for, you choose to forgive your spouse if they've done something against you, against God. You've got to ask for forgiveness. And we forgive because Christ has forgiven us. But it is a decision. Your decisions in your marriage are everything. Okay, how about this? How about indecision? Indecision is a decision. So choosing to not make a decision is making a decision. There are still consequences. There are consequences for indecision. You're not, you don't get out of a jam because you refuse to act. Choosing not to work on your marriage is absolutely a decision. So let's take an example in the Bible. This is just one that I kind of just came across and thought it applied. Um, Pilate, Pontius Pilate in Matthew 27, 24. Listen to this. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. Okay. So Pilate is washing his hands of the whole issue. He says, I want nothing to do with this. I find that he's innocent. He's done nothing wrong. And I wash my hands of this. It's not on me. It's on you. So the thing about that is when you refuse to take responsibility and action. You are just like Pilate who washed his hands before handing Jesus over to be crucified. So in making no decision, Pilate made a decision to allow the crowds to crucify Jesus. So washing your hands of an issue only gives you a false sense of peace. Okay. You can't just say, not my problem. You are still responsible. You can't continue to make excuses for not working on your marriage. You put a you put, in fact, you put a death sentence on your marriage by choosing not to act. Your indecision, it, it can kill your marriage. Even if you think it's all his fault, all her fault, you can't do anything. There's always something that you can do. Your decisions are everything. Even if you're not working on your marriage, you're working against it. That's how it works. It's like Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty three: anyone who isn't with me opposes me and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So some of you may need to choose today if you're all in or if you're all out because there's no neutral. There's no neutral in life. There's there's no neutral in marriage, okay? There's no neutral in um, in being a Christian, a believer. It's forwards or backwards. And that is why your decisions are everything.
And so maybe you're sitting there thinking, why? Why do I even want a good marriage? Why is it important? Why can't I just roll over and let it all play out? Taking life as it comes is very, very dangerous. You need to make decisions and you need to act. You don't just accept things and you, 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 you are like that filter. You, you accept the good things, you reject the bad things. It's really important because having a crappy marriage is not God's best for you. You should want, if you, if you are married, you should want a good marriage, okay? It is not God's will for you to have a crappy marriage. He wants you to have a healthy, happy, and holy marriage. So the question is, do you want what God wants for you? Because if you do, then you can start working together with God to have your best marriage ever. And so maybe some of you just need to stop throwing a pity party and come into alignment and agreement with with what God wants for you and has for you. And then you start taking steps toward that. And when you start taking steps toward that, the super comes on your natural. So you do some work, God does some work, and it's the supernatural. And why do we do this? Because it pleases God. It pleases God to see a happy, healthy, and holy marriage. But why do we want to please God? Well, because we fear him, right? Not like a bad fear, not like you're, um, not like a runaway fear, but you, you run towards him because, um, because he, he, he's holy. It's like an awe. It's like a reverential type of fear. Second Corinthians seven, one says, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. And so maybe your prayer needs to be something like this. It needs to be, uh, there's one in Psalm 119.73. It says, you made me, you created me. Now give me the sense to follow your commands. Give me the sense to follow your commands. God, help me make good, help me to, to just, to just love your word and do what it says. And the Bible actually says, Psalm 119.165 says, those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. That includes your marriage, not stumbling in your marriage, not having, can you imagine not having the problems that everybody else has in your marriage because you love the instructions of the Lord and you choose to obey him and you choose to follow his commands? That's what God wants for you. Um, how about this one? Deuteronomy 30, 19, 19 through 20. Today, it says, today I've given you a choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land, the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It says you can make the choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. What is the key? Loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. So first of all, if you haven't taken that step, that would be step one, okay? But you have the choice to bring life or death to your marriage. You make the choice to bring life to your marriage or death. It's your decision. And so, um, speaking of decisions, I thought about this. This came to my mind. A while back, there was a woman that spoke at our uh, women's group, and she talked about the Bible story of Jacob and Esau. 
and her um, title of her message was called When You Decide. And it has, it stuck with me. It just stuck. And so it came back into my brain the other day and I thought this would be great for talking about decisions. But the story of Jacob and Esau is found in Genesis 27. And so if you don't, if you don't know the story, um, Jacob and Esau were brothers and their father was uh, Isaac and um, Jacob stole his brother's blessing from Isaac. So Isaac blessed Jacob, not knowing that it was Jacob. He thought it was Esau. And so when Esau came to his father and said, oh, where's, can I have my blessing? And he said, no, I already gave you the blessing away. I gave it to your brother. I didn't know. I thought it was you. And so Esau breaks down and he cries. And finally, this is what his father Isaac says to him. He says, you will live away from the riches, riches of the earth, the richness of the earth, and away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But, listen to this, when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. And so he wasn't even putting it on God. Like in God's good timing, you'll break, break your brother's yoke from your neck. No, he said, when you decide to break free, when you decide to break free, then you'll be free. There's so much power in just our decisions. And so you can make some decisions today. Here are some things that you can decide for your marriage. I made a big long list, but I'll only read a couple of them. You can choose today that you're going to dwell on the good parts of your marriage. And you can choose today that you're going to pray about the parts that need work. You can choose to initiate a hard conversation with your spouse. You can choose conflict today. You can choose forgiveness today. You can reject the bitterness in your heart towards your spouse today. You can choose to plan a date night. You can choose to love your spouse in their love language. Find out what their love language is. Um, You can choose to apologize for something. Ask for forgiveness. You can refuse to compare your marriage with somebody else's and choose to live by God's standards and nobody else's. Um, You can choose peace for your marriage. You can choose to take 15 minutes and think about all the things you love about your spouse. These are some just some decisions that you can make today. And so um, with that being said, um, that's part two of marriage. And so um, I think I want to do a part three. So I'll start working on that. And I just want to say thank you all for joining me today. It's been good. And uh, we'll see you next time on Get the Word Out.